And I remember that evening sitting there in, by their fire, um, and it was, it was different for me. I, I'm pray, I prayed for Matt today because he's preaching through an interpreter, but he said he's done it before, so no worries. <laughs> but uh, I had never done that before, so you have to, you know, think about it. And anyway, it was going really well, and, and I remember the, the elderly Chinese man who was like the village, um, really like the village elder, and... Uh, after about halfway, he, he, he goes like this, you know, he essentially waved me off, and so I stopped. And um, so it just kind of, people were just talking and visiting and stuff, and it went on like that for a little bit. Some people had come into the door of his home, just walked in, and um, he was protecting us because you don't have the freedom in China to just minister the word. So it was really a surreal moment, you know, to realize that sometimes you just don't have that freedom, and here we have the freedom to get together, and, and it's so essential to get together and worship and praise the Lord and, and hear His Word, so um, I, I really am thankful for that. It's, it's a real true blessing. So this morning, when Matthew asked me uh, if I would uh, bring the message, and he... Um, I began to think and pray, of course, and, and um, one of the things that just kind of came into my heart and mind, and I think uh, for the last couple of years, I, I've had concerns, you know, in, in my own walk with Christ and, and following, being a Christian and following God, and I, you know, I, I listen to the believers that are around me, you know, those that I went to church with, people that were Christians where I worked in the in the U.S. and schools that I taught in and, and so on. And, um, you know, I was just struck with this, you know, this compelling question, and, and it was basically this. What is the Bible really teaching us? Because as I watched Christians, and, and, and myself, I mean, I, uh, the, I look in the mirror at myself, and I thought, is, is there something distinguishing about us as believers from the rest of the world? And um, so I, I started reading the Bible, and, and um, I don't know, this is a culmination of a lot of events, maybe some, some books I have been reading, and some just my own prayer time, and, and worshiping God, and, and desiring to grow in, in my faith. But I began to try to read the Bible, and read it in a different way, and, and really ask myself, what is this word saying to me? Uh, and all too often, I think people are trying to interpret God's word as best suits them. You know, all too often there's people who will read God's word and they're so willing to accept one part of it, but then another part of the word they set it aside because uh, I just don't get that. I don't understand that. And, um, and I think that's, that that's been a part of our culture. In the United States, I can say this for sure. It's been a part of the culture for a long time. And I think in general, it's part of the culture of the church. And... Um, and we need to be vigilant. One of the things that drew me to this church was the, was, I don't know, it's just people who desire to hear from God and to worship and praise, and there's a, there's a genuineness and a sincerity, and I, I love that. And um, it, it strengthens me. It, it's, it's, it lifts me up, and I, and I think that's what we do for each other when we come together to worship. We're strengthening each other and lifting each other up in the faith. Um, so I've been on this course in my in my own walk with the Lord of, of finding out what is the scripture saying you know 
Um, I want to know what it, exactly what it says so that I can take some action, so that I can, I can pray and ask God, is, is, this is what you mean. Help me. Strengthen me. Let your spirit fill my heart so that I can go forward from this, uh, with this truth. Um, so it's like a, a desire to, to seek the leading of the Holy Spirit, to ask God directly to show me this truth. And so, that led me to this passage this morning that I want to um, share with you. And it's in Matthew chapter 7, a couple of different passages in Matthew 1 and Luke. But if you want to take time to turn there, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. This, this portion of Scripture comes out of Jesus' sermon, uh, his, the famous Sermon on the Mount. Just a couple of verses in, toward the end of his sermon. He says this, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And then if we look um, at a passage in, the, in Luke, so if you want to turn to Luke chapter 13, this is not Luke, um, this is not like a Luke retelling the Sermon on the Mounts, but someone crosses the path of Jesus as he is going from place to place and teaching, and he asks the question, and the reference is back to something that our Lord taught the people, taught his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount. And verse 22, he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem, and someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Now, I thought that was an interesting question. And it was like one of those questions like in passing as Jesus is just journeying through. And someone asked this question. Now, I thought maybe, just my supposition here, that maybe he was present at the Sermon on the Mount. And this teaching stuck in his heart, in his mind. It was in his head. And he was just mulling it over trying to think, what, is, what does this mean? And, or he had heard it perhaps from someone else and was wanting clarification from our Lord on this truth. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? That was his question. And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate, for the, through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Same truth. Same thing he taught them um, when, during the Sermon on the Mount. So looking at these two passages of Scripture, it captured me. It's talking about something that seems very serious to me. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and it's easy to go this way, but it's difficult to go through the narrow gate. So difficult such that Christ says, strive that you may do this. 
So, looking at this and praying over this passage, I think there's three things that I want to look at. One is this. It's not a way that Jesus describes. It's the way. The second thing is, the way is narrow. The way is narrow. What does that mean? That The way is narrow. And the third thing is, we need to understand that this way is not forbidding. It's, it's, it's not a forbidding way that Jesus bids us to come. So I want to look at these three things, and, and, um, and my prayer is this, that we, we get to hear from the Holy Spirit, you know? We're all on a journey, our faith's in different places. Some of us may be very new in our faith. Some of us may be seasoned believers and, and went you know, been down a long road of many trials and afflictions and, and we're still on that journey. But I just pray that the Holy Spirit delivers something of a powerful thing to you, a truth to you that stirs you up, that draws you because as this man asked the question and the disconcerting thing was is that few find it. I don't know what that means to you, but I know what it means to me and it's like, whoa, few find it. Okay, so let's look at number one, the way, the way, the way, not a way, not a way that someone might conjure up in their own mind and determine for themselves, I'm going to follow Christ and all, but I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. I'm going to accept the scriptures that I want to accept, I want to, I'm going to believe what I want to believe, I'll interpret them the way I want to interpret them, but I'm going to kind of follow him in my way. That's not what it says here. Christ talks about the way. One of the things I wanted to look to, to contrast here is this what Jesus uses in his sermon. He says one way is, is broad. It's an easy way. It's wide and easy. No complications, no difficulty. The other way is narrow, very narrow. And so what does he mean by these two contrasts? I think the context of it being wide and easy, the fact that it's not complicated, it's not complicated, it's, it, there's no rules, anything goes. That is the way that Jesus said leads to destruction. Anything goes. It's like any philosophy in the world, any teaching that you've ever heard, it's okay. Jesus said this is the way that leads to destruction. Be sure of that. I think what, we're, what we need to understand is the, the way that Christ describes when he talks about the narrow way, it's distinctly different. The way to heaven, the way into a relationship with Christ, the way to trust him, the way of faith is distinctly different from the broad way that leads to destruction. You ever feel like sometimes when you, when you wonder if... Um, People look at you, they see enough about you that they believe you're a Christian? Or do Christians, do we sometimes, maybe to the rest of the world, do we look like everybody else? We enjoy the same things, we go to the same places, we do the same stuff. No, to a degree, I mean, we're all going to go to, to care for, you know? We're all going to go to certain places and they're going to be in common. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about who we are as people, our character the way we respond in a crisis situation, the way we react, the way we show kindness and care to people. Do people see something different in us because we're a believer? I thought to myself, this is important. This is very, very important. 
Um, in the book of Acts, there's a dis- one of the chapters in the book of Acts, I think it's in chapter 11, there's a discussion, uh, in a, a reporting of, um, of Luke about the church and how it's growing and spreading. And he's talking about this, this kind of a, an awakening going on. There's so many people turning to Christ and accepting him as their Lord and Savior that they got really interested and they, the word of this got back to Jerusalem. And Barnabas was in Jerusalem, so they sent him to Antioch. They sent him to kind of inquire and see what's going on. And he went there and, and wow, it was true. There were so many people accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior and, and, and serving him. And Barnabas goes to uh, another place, to Tarsus, and he looks for Paul, who, who he brings back to Antioch with him. And, he said, and the scripture says he stayed there a whole year, and they discipled the people, and they taught them exactly what God's word says. And, and there was an interesting little report in that. And it says that it was in Antioch, you remember this, it was in Antioch that they were first called Christians. Now that's interesting. It's not, it, they didn't get together and say, hey, we got so many of us now, we need to think of a name for ourselves. What should we call ourselves? Let's call ourselves Christians. That's not the way it happened. They were called Christians by those who observed them. It was like a label. You know, we, say, we talk today in, in education, we don't want to label children as this, this, this kind of a learner because they sometimes labels stick with you the rest of your life, you know, and you can't break the label, you know, of learning disability or something like this. They were labeled Christians. Because, why? Why would they have been labeled Christians? Because people witnessed them. They watched them. They saw them in the marketplace. They saw them in, 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 out in public. They saw them on their jobs, and they were different. They were distinctly different. They were, so they called them Christians because they behaved like Christ. They'd heard about Jesus of Nazareth. They've heard the gospel news, and these people, they really do. They behave like him. So they were called Christians. I just wonder today if there wasn't the name Christians, would we get a label? You know? Do we live our life in such a way that we would get a label? Or would, or would our presence be accepted among any crowd or any group of people on the face of the earth because we're just, you know, we're just people and we're trying to muddle through life and get somewhere and accomplish something and, you know, have our careers and have our, our little nest egg of investments or whatever it happens to be? Would we just blend in or would we be labeled something? And I think this is what one of the things that comes out in this passage and Jesus tries to make this a very sharp contrast. He said the way to, to destruction is wide. Any thought, any philosophy that you have is okay, that's going to get you there, but that's not getting you into heaven. He said it's a way to destruction, but the way to heaven is a very narrow way, and it is the only way. It's Jesus himself that tells us in the Scripture. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Wow. Is that true? How do we look at that? Do we just accept that as true, or do we try to reinterpret that? Yeah, Jesus, you know, he kind of got some good things going there, but, you know, no, that's not what we do. Jesus is the way. It's very clear and very precise. It makes me think of this, you know, how important. I mean, if you're a seeking person, 
You're not anchored. Your life is not anchored in any truth or any faith or any belief. If you're a seeking person, what kind of map do you want to get to where you're supposed to go? Wow, this is important in Abu Dhabi. You know, one time we were having some people over to our house from church here and doing home group and, and it was going to be at our house. So, um, wow, out in MBZ where I live, there's no street signs, there's there's no, villas have numbers for the municipality, but they're not on the villa, and it's like really hard to find. I mean, one day, when I, but just, I, we'd already signed our lease on a villa, and I was going to go check some things out to see what I, we needed to buy for curtains once, and, and I got lost in a dust storm. I kind of knew what it looked like, but the dust storm kind of kicked up, and I was like kind of making left and right turns trying to find it. It was really hard to find. So when we had a home group come out there, I mean, my wife and I, we were really carefully working on it. We'd get this map just right, and you know, because we don't want anybody to get lost, right? I mean, we're trying to be very precise where you go so nobody gets lost. Well, thankfully, everybody found it. And it was really safe. That's a good map. It was a really good map. I, I knew this. I knew this. It was important because I've had other maps that people give me, and I was like, I, I was getting lost, you know? It's, it's important for us to know what's, what direction. What's the way? I want to get to this place. What's the way? You want somebody sending you on a wild goose chase? You know, you want someone sending you, you know, giving you maybe this is kind of a quasi sort of good way to go. I think you can get there from here. No, we want an exact way. I think as believers, I mean, even as, as non-believers, people who are seeking and the Holy Spirit's doing something in their life and even as, or even as Christians, when we want to know clearly what God wants and where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do, this is the way. So this is important to us. Do you, we don't want it to be wide. We don't want there to be so many options. One time I, I was, somebody was telling me, giving me directions, or I was giving them directions, and I was to my house. This was back in the U.S. a long time ago, and I said, well, you can go this way, and I drew it, and I said, oh, oh, or this is another way you could go because this is a pretty good way to go, and then, but if you want, you can go this way depending on the time of day, and this guy goes, no, I just want one way. I just want one way to go so I can get there. You know, because it was important for him to be able to get there. And I think as believers or as people who are seeking God's truth, we want to know. Don't, don't tell me something that's not true. Don't tell me something that's wrong. Don't tell me something that's going to get me lost. Don't tell me something to make me feel better about my faith or about my position or my lost condition. Don't try to make me feel better. I want to know what's true, right? That, that's important. And so that's what I read when I read this, that... It's not a way, it's the only way. It's the way that Jesus draws you to himself. He's not taking you anywhere else. He's, he, he's bringing you to himself. Let's look at the second point, and that is the, the way is narrow. When he describes the gate, the gate it's a straight gate, it's a narrow gate. And... Um, to me, when I read this, it's like there's a, sense of, there's a sense of urgency. I think so, right? If, if we're told in the scriptures that there's few that find it, that's an urgency. If we're told in scriptures that we have to strive, that means we're up against some opposition. There's an urgency in that. So what, is, what does he mean by this? Well, we have to understand something. What makes it narrow is that the terms to enter into this gate are not terms that you and I create. 
They're God's terms. We come to him on his terms. I'm taking a discipleship class with some men in the church, and one of the things that we're studying and realizing is that there was a many of these would-be disciples uh, that in our Lord's ministry, and they saw something good in Jesus. They saw something good in the Lord, and they wanted to follow him, but then they always said, but I want to go and do this. I want to go and uh, first let me do, and they, they were actually tying something on to it. And you can't do that. You can't tell the Lord the terms on which you will follow him. doesn't even make sense. He's the creator of the universe. I'm pretty sure he knows how to, to, to lead us and to draw us to himself. He knows the way and he can define it for us. But we're, we're just not permitted to, to come on our own terms. Discipleship and following the Lord and coming in at this gate, it can't tolerate a condition that comes between Jesus and our obedience to him. And our listening to him and saying, what does your word say to me? Because that's what I want to do. By faith, we must accept and embrace the fact that God's way as narrow as it's described, is the very best way. It's a, it's, a, it's a labor of faith. It's a labor of trust. Charles Spurgeon was an English preacher a long time ago. He made this statement. He says, describing what faith was, faith is taking your Bible and opening it up to a page, reading the page and understanding what it says and believing in it. That's faith. He said faith is also opening your Bible up turning to a page, reading it, and not quite understanding it, but believing in it. Not blindly, but you know this is God's Word. Just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. And then the third thing he said about faith, faith is just closing the Bible. He said, I believe this is God's Word. I believe this is His Word. And when you get into studies, you might argue about that and say, well, you know, you're, you're believing without looking. You're believing this without, no, you, you get into the studying this and you find out this is a, a book. This is a book, people, that can't be written by man. Men don't write books like this. They don't write books that say broad is the way to destruction, but the way to life is just this narrow gate. That's a little hard to do. Jesus says few find it. You know, this, this is God's word. He's going to give us the exact instructions to find, to get to him, to reach heaven, to follow him. He will give it to us exactly. I would contend that reading this passage of our Lord's, we would understand that the way is not easy, but that it's worth it. Because this gate leads where? This gate leads to life. Not to destruction, but it leads to life. It leads to the one who created all things, the one who had you in his mind when he created this world. And he created you, and he had you in his mind. You know what? I had a friend one time that I was sharing the gospel with. This was a long time ago. And um, we would talk. We worked together in the same freight dock during my college days. And, and I was sharing something with him. He was a great big guy. And, he's, and I said something about, I was really pressing it a little bit in my youth and, and, you know, maybe not having the best methods of evangelizing, but I was just sharing with the gospel and he was telling me, he says, well, he said, maybe someday right now I'm just not done having fun. 
just, just not ready to do that yet. And I thought, that's like the most honest answer I've ever had from somebody. So I'm not done having fun. And, and he said, maybe later. And I thought to myself, and I didn't say it to him, and I thought, you know what? When, when he will come to the Lord, when the Lord says it's time, the Lord will press on his heart. The Holy Spirit will invade his life and stir him up to where he has nothing but unrest in this wide and easy way of life. And he's going to want to know what is true. What is really true? I don't want to hear false things anymore, false doctrines or false notions about life or false philosophies that are just that are feel-good things that, that make everybody like happy. But there's no truth in it. So when I think about this, this way being narrow, it's not easy, but it's worth it. Jesus says, strive to enter in. I'm pretty sure people say, you know what? We live this Christian life, but we... Um, no, we don't have any strength of our own. Is this true? No. You know, we have no strength. Our strength, we, our strength is in Christ. We have no in, inherent strength in ourselves. We, we've actually taught by the gospel to deny ourselves and follow Christ. Let his spirit fill us and be our strength and be our hope and our guide. The word is a lamp to my feet because I don't know where to put this next. Whoops. I better be careful. I don't know where to put this next foot if, I, if God's word doesn't tell me. Do we often see the word like that? Is that another one of those scriptures we like to kind of wash out a little bit? Thy word is a lamp to my feet. For most of us, we like to hold, you know, you give me a flashlight in some, most cases, I'm like looking way ahead to see what's going on up there. But that, that's, that's not the way the Bible teaches us. The word's a lamp to my feet. God's word teaches us what's the right next step to make. I like that. I like that sounds good to me, sounds right to me. Because you know what, I've lived long enough now that I have been so many wrong ways. I have been so, I've been so many wrong ways since I've been a believer, y'all. Since, since I know that this was true, since I believe this, I still make wrong steps and take wrong directions. And at some point in your, in your journey of faith and, and following God and desiring Him, you want to know what's absolutely true. You don't want to be taught the wrong thing. So when it says strive, I have this idea in my mind that, that yeah, the Spirit of God fills us. The Spirit of God draws us and makes us desires to know and curious to know what's, what's right. And, and, and it'll bring us and lead us to what's true. We have that in us. But no, make no mistake about it, there's still an element where we're asked to strive. We are asked to strive. What does that mean? Exert some great effort is what it means. It means to, to a strenuous effort that you put toward reaching a certain goal. That's, that's striving. That's saying that, that this goal is worth it to me. I want to get there. Now, we say, well, are you teaching uh, that salvation uh, and this grace that we have and we enjoy is, uh, is it by works? Not at all. Salvation is not by works. Not at all. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the way. This is talking about those of us that desire to seek God and follow Him and know Him and be known of Him. This is the way. It's telling us, the word strive tells us that we'll have opposition. There's a verse that I want to read in John chapter 16, uh, verse 33. You can just, uh, I'll just read it to you. Um, it says this, I have said these things, this is our Lord talking. He says, I have said these things to you 
that in me you may have peace. So God, our Lord's saying, I've told you these things. So it's like, an, to me, it's an axiom. You, this is something I have laid down for you. This is a truth I have, I have put down for you to hang on to. And he says this, in the world you will have, what's the word? Trouble? It might be hard to say sometimes. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. What, is it, what does that verse mean? What, what is Jesus saying to us? In Hebrews, we read where who Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was his joy, by the way? Was he just anxious to get rid of this human form that he was shrouded in, his incarnation, and get back to his father? Because he says something about that in John 17. Yeah, he, was, he clearly was looking forward to being back with his father. No doubt about that. Who, for the joy that was set before him, y'all, was the joy to redeem the lost. Those who are fallen in their sins to redeem them back to himself. You see, he created you and I for his joy. He wanted us to be in his fellowship, in his company. That was this joy. But he said, in the world you will have trouble. Jesus gave Peter the greatest example of all when he asked him to step out of the boat and walk on the water. Remember that? This was such a storm that had came up that night that veteran fishermen were afraid. Veteran fishermen were seriously afraid of the storm that was around them and they see something coming, they think it's what, a ghost or something at first and they realize this is Christ, this is our Lord walking to us on the water. And Peter says, Lord, if it really is you, let me come to you. Ask me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. So Peter steps out of the boat. I love to just think about this. I don't like to say so much about it sometimes. I just love thinking about this. But he steps out and he walks on the water. And then what happens next? His eyes were on the Lord. He was, is that the Lord? Can you just picture him kind of squinting through the darkness and trying to figure out this image? Because, you know, people don't walk on the water in storms. That's not common. So he's looking out there and he said, Lord, is that you? Because if anybody could, it's this Lord. He's seen feed 5,000. You know, if anybody could do this, it would be Jesus that could do this. So he's, he's peering out there. He said, if that's you, let me come. And look where his eyes are. His eyes are peeled on, on Christ. So he steps out of the boat and he's walking on water like his Lord is. And he's going and then he takes his eyes off of the Lord and he realizes and he recalls the storm that's raging around him. And what happens? He begins to sink and he cries out and the Lord reaches down and takes a hold of him. Brings him to safety. You and I are going to get distracted by our circumstances. We're going to get distracted by the troubles that Jesus says you will have in the world. But he's there when we cry out to him for help. He'll pull us along. But make no, make no mistake about it. Peter desired the Lord. You and I, we have it in our heart. He worked it in us to, de- to love him and to desire him and to follow after him. But we have to realize that there's going to be some striving in our Christian life because it's just the nature of it. It's the nature of, the, of this life. 
the way is broad that leads to destruction. There's just a lot out there that will take us the wrong way and lead us the wrong way. But there's only one way, thank goodness, one way to Christ, this narrow way. Um, the question is, are we sold out on this idea? Do we like this? this are we sold out on this? You know, in the, in the book of Matthew, there's these, I like these collection of little parables and Jesus says, let me, he explains it to his disciples. He says, let, let me tell you something about the kingdom of heaven. And that's where the straight gate opens to, is to God and to his kingdom and to his, everything about God. It's, it's us embracing God in, in the fullest possible way. He says, let me tell you about this kingdom. It's like this. It's like a man who goes out into a field. Now picture this. He, a man goes out in the field. And he's, I don't know what he's doing. He's just walking around and looking around. And then he sees a, a treasure. Nobody's around. He just sees this treasure, this amazing, valuable thing. And it says he covered it up. He covered it up. Now, it's a parable, right? We're not talking about a guy who's going to steal something. It's a parable. It's teaching a truth. So he covers up this treasure. And so then what does he do? He goes out and sells everything he has. He, does, he, just, he, he just liquidates everything. And he goes and purchases what? The treasure? No, he buys that whole field. For what reason? So he can have that treasure. Because that's worth it. I don't know what else is going to happen in my life. I don't know what kind of struggles I'll have in my life, what kind of difficulties I'll have in my life. But whatever, bring it. It's worth it if I can have this treasure. If I can have Christ. If I can have a relationship with my Lord. If the God, if the, if the, if the God who created me will invite me and forgive me of my sins and die on the cross in place of my sins, if he will do all that, I desire him. You see, being a Christian and, and, and walking down this narrow road is not about what I have to give up. It's, it's not about that. Walking down this road isn't about picking the right set of doctrines to hold on to. Doctrine is critical. It's important. It's what I'm talking about. We need to know what this word says. But it's more about desiring God. This man who found that treasure in the field desired to have that treasure. You know, we, do we desire to have God? Are we willing to take, take anything that happens to us? I've had setbacks in my life, y'all. Major shipwreck setbacks in my life. To the point that I was questioning God on every turn of every minute of my day, I was questioning, what are you doing this for? Why is this necessary? Couldn't you have taught me this lesson another way? Have you ever been there? Would you like wish that God could have just taught you another way? I was so young, spiritually. You know, I just didn't get it. Now I'm getting it. Now I'm starting to get it more. I'm thinking, bring the trouble, it's okay, as long as I can have. In the end, if I can have this treasure, I'm good with this. Bring it. Because all I know, all I, all I can remember is this, that when it gets crazy around me, I just have to focus on, on Christ and thank Him and receive His love and learn to love Him. That's all I have to do. So striving is not such a bad thing, but it is real. It's okay. It is real. And I know that's hard today. That's hard today because in the circles of the Christian faith, there are many denominations out there that don't teach this. 
I taught a class a long time ago, and there was a person in this Sunday school class, and we were reading, uh, I can't remember exactly the verse, but it wasn't an easy verse to swallow, much maybe like this one. And this person wanted a black highlighter. That was their word, not mine. A black highlighter. Not Not a nice yellow one that makes God's word stand out to you so you can look at that again and be reminded over and over, this is true and I need to hold on to this. They, didn't, they just wanted to black that out of their Bible completely. Trouble? I, don't, I didn't accept Christ for trouble in my life. I kind of want prosperity. You know, I want the security of heaven and the comforts and all of this. And there's people who preach that kind of gospel. It's just not found anywhere in these pages. It's just not found. There's a divine prosperity. There's a divine prosperity. There's a, we call Jesus called it in his parable, it was a treasure. And that treasure is to have him in the end. But this goes both ways. Jesus is so, do we think about this much? He is so desirous for us. So desirous for us that he said, I'm going to go to the cross for you. I'm going to take the punishment because there's no way. Your sins are too many. There's no way you can do this. I'm going to go die for you. He desires us to find him, so he draws us to him. It's a miracle thing going on there. I can't explain it much more than that. There's another parable, same thing. The merchant who finds a pearl, so valuable. He said, wow, I've never seen a pearl like this in all of my life. I want this one. He desired this one. So he got rid of everything he had so he could have that one pearl. Let's go to the third thing. The third thing is that this way is not forbidding. I think the first time I read this and started contemplating on it, you know, I thought, wow, it's kind of, it might be this is off-putting to some people. Wow, you know, you're making this whole thing about Christian, being a Christian too hard. It's too complicated. It's, I can't do this. Well, of course you can't do this. If you thought you could, that's okay. I thought I could one time too. You know, I could do this, I can handle this, I can, I can meet these requirements. No, I couldn't do any of it. You know, if you have a desire, if, if there's something in your heart, boy, I want to start, start walking more faithful. Well, that's a very noble thought, very good, hold on to that. But you have no ability to do that. You can't just wake up on a morning and say, today I'm going to live more for Christ today than I lived for him yesterday. You can't just say that. You can't. What do you have to do? Lord. I desire to live more faithful because he has to infuse you. He has to put his strength in you. It's his spirit in you. Actually, his spirit's there already because you wouldn't even have prayed that. You wouldn't even desired that if he hadn't put it in you. He would have worked some amazing thing in your life. So this last con, uh, point to make is that the way is just not forbidding. It's, it's just about desiring God. When you desire to the fellowship and company of God, you don't want anything else. There's no competition. You just desire to know God. Now, you have the the old flesh. That's an unfortunate thing about being a Christian. I I thought when I first accepted Christ as my Savior, and and I I was 16 years old, and it was real to me, but I just knew almost nothing. I didn't get raised in church, and I didn't know all these stories to draw on, I just, I just had a work going on in my heart. I said, I knew that was true, 
beyond a shadow of a doubt, I just knew it was true. But there was so much for me to learn and so much for me to grow. I thought when I first accepted Christ that I would never have a desire to sin again. Am I the only one that ever thought? I thought I would never desire to sin again. I was like, well, boy, that was, that was like wasted in a day or a couple of days. You know, I was like, wow, I'm still fighting this stuff. It's still, what's the deal? And I read a little further in here, and I, and, and I find out you're always going to battle the flesh. You'll always battle your, your fleshly side. The flesh will always desire the things of the world. It's only the Spirit of God in you. It's only in your heart that desires God. But this is not a forbidding way. It is a way that is just about desiring God. The psalmist, David, in Psalm 139, at the end of that psalm, he says this, and he loves the Lord. Made a whole bunch of mistakes. So if you feel like you've, you feel like, some of you probably think, because I've thought this way before, I have just too many sins to squeeze into that gate. It's not about that. It doesn't matter how many sins you have. Because God says, I take care of those completely. There is a record kept of every wrong thing you've done. So, there's sins you've committed that you've forgotten about. But there's a record of them. But, all those things were nailed to the cross. Jesus says, I died for you. So, you're forgiven. So, it's not about sin. One old writer once I read said, you know how, he goes, this is how narrow the gate is. It's just wide enough for you and truth to squeeze in. Just you and truth. That's it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. The psalmist said this. He said, David loved the Lord. He said, Lord, would you do me a favor? I'm putting it in my own uh, wording here, paraphrasing a little bit. Lord, search my heart because I can't. I can't even know my own heart. So search my heart. Look in here. Look in here, Lord, and see if there's any wickedness, if there's any sin in here, and help me get rid of it. That's desiring God. That's, that's the way. That's, that's the, that, the narrow way. Just desiring God. God's always calling us to himself in his way, in his terms, and they're the best. They are the best of terms. We wouldn't want it any other way. We don't want God to write anything different. It's just the right way. We just need to remember. Look to his word. It's a lamp. It will light the path before us. It'll teach us. It'll, it'll, and through the word, God will draw us closer and closer to him. And then we can, we'll find ourselves in that way. Not looking at all the other ways in the world. Remember what Solomon said? And, he, and it was, must have been super important because he said it about three or four times in the whole book of Proverbs. He says, there's a way that seems right. Now get this, because it, there's a way that seems right to a man. And when you take a man and he sees something and he thinks he's right, what's he going to do? He's, that's the way he's going. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is the way of death. No wonder the psalmist said, search me. 
I don't want to go on what seems right to me. I want to know what God's word says to me. And I want my walk to be defined not by popular interpretation of God's word. There's a popular interpretation of this word out there among people who don't want to walk too close to the Lord. They don't want to give up so much. I don't want the popular interpretation. I just want to read. And I want to know what this says. And I want to follow it. And I want to be a part of it. All the way. I want to be... I, Paul says this upon his own salvation. He, and, and he taught this in all the churches he went to. He says, and his prayer was this, Lord, I want to reach out and take a hold of you. Paul says, I want to take a hold of God for the same reason that you, Father God, reached out and took a hold of me. I want to enjoy that same thing. I like that. That's what his word says. This is, where, this, this, is, this is the road we want to be on. And the really heartbreaking, difficult thing about it is it says few will find it. Wow. Now, I know that's in comparison to the, to the entire world, but it's still something that's there. I can't race that out. I'm not going to take a black highlighter and highlight that part out because it's not a, a, a good thing for people to hear. Few find it. Well, gosh, if it's that hard, I'm just not even going to try. You've got to follow your heart. What's God saying to your heart? What, what's his word speaking to you? That's what you want to know. What's his word saying to you? Desire him? Do you desire God? He wants you to because he desires you. Wow, he paid the highest price. He paid the highest price. He, want you, he wants you and I to know that he paid the highest price when he gave his son to die on the cross so that we won't have any question to say, wow, if you'll do that for me, I want to follow you anywhere you go, not on my terms, just on what terms you have. Take me into the storm. It doesn't matter because I know you're going to be there. I know that you'll be there. I'm okay with that. We need to get to where we can start saying that in life and, stop, and so we're not complaining about it all the time. I'm saying, oh, you know, I was talking to, I don't know if it was Brent or somebody earlier, said, well, how'd your week go? And so, you know, and I have to apologize because up until now, sometimes you ask me how my week goes, and I always associate it with school. How well did my classes go? This is amazing to me, by the way. I'm standing up here sharing something, effectively trying to teach you something in God's Word, and everybody's quiet and listening. This doesn't happen in my world at school. And... Um, but I thought something because, you know, um, God's teaching me something in those situations. And I, I have I've learned, you know, in a new environment, I've learned just to relax with that. It's okay. It's okay. And then I begin to watch the doors that God opens and things that he does. And I'm, I'm blessed beyond measure. So you think I want to pray away the storms? No, not a chance. Not a chance. Just like those, our brothers and sisters in China that are, that are suffering persecution for their faith. Someone says, I'm going to take word to, of this back to my home church and we're going to pray night and day that this persecution stops. You know what these Chinese brothers and sisters said? Don't do that. Don't pray for persecution to stop. The church is thriving. In our lives, should we pray that the storms just cease? No, we pray that, said, Lord, if this storm, if I need it, help me to get through it. Lead me. Be, be in my vision. 
Be, be in my line of sight. Take a hold of me and help me get through this until the seas calm again. Wasn't Christ willing to calm the sea? Wow, was he ever? In an instant. The meteorologist can't explain that kind of stuff. It's just in an instant, he says, be calm, and everything is just calm. He can handle that. He can do the same thing in your life, just like that. It's just we've got to get to the point where we're okay with the terms in which God sets that down for us and just be willing to follow. Let's all bow our heads and pray. And if the praise team wants to come up now, it would be good. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for just for your word. And Father, we're, I'm just humbled, Lord, because I find myself a follower looking, searching, and myself wanting to know exactly what your word says. And I pray, Father, that your spirit has opened up our hearts today. And Father, that we have some hope that perhaps now there's a more of a desire, a strengthening in us to seek you, to desire you. To, to be willing to come to you on your terms. Father, this is, for, this is what we pray for. And Lord, Father, I just pray, I don't know where everyone's heart is today, but I know, Father, that sometimes just a single word out of, out of uh, your word can make a difference. And I pray, Father, that your, your spirit will touch each and every heart here. Father, that, that you will work in them a saving work. And Father, for these things, because of your graciousness, graciousness and for your mercy, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.